In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. This is our last talk tonight. We spoke in the morning about passions in general, and then we spoke about fear as one of the worst passions that we can trapped in it. And now we speak about the approval addiction. Just look at the beginning of this seesaw, if you can see. The big one is man. The small one, this blue one, is God. That's why you'll find the seesaw is not balanced. When we put man in, or others in my life more than God, I'll be living in this unbalanced life. Let me share with you one story before we start. A woman who shared this story from her childhood as a polio victim. Since she was young, quite old story, polio was very famous and spread everywhere. When my mother left me in Sunday school, I always asked her to wear her necklace. She thought I liked the necklace. That wasn't it at all. I knew I wasn't worth coming back for, but I knew she would come back for her necklace. Of course, the little girl, it's her, it's her own perception. The necklace of my mom will make her or force her to come back. But me personally, I'm not a of a value even of this necklace. One of the psychologists said it's an epidemic. There is an epidemic in, of insecurity in society today. Many people suffer from an unhealthy need of affirmation. We all need affirmation. But what we are talking today about it is an unhealthy affirmation. They are not capable of feeling good about themselves. For some, the quest for approval becomes an actual addiction. As they seek self-worth from the outside world because they cannot find it within themselves. And again, out of arrogance, I can say it's not me. Maybe anyone else. I can tell you, you are forced, you are forcing your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband to seek his approval if you are not able to provide it. If you are not able to show that you are accepting your son, your daughter, your wife, your husband with any unconditional reasons, we will seek it outside. It might lead to the worst form of sin. And it might be just... Or maybe it is just something you feel it is not bad. This is me. I can't offer approval because I never received approval from anyone else. Again, the issue here is an unhealthy affirmation. We all need that normal affirmation, but now it becomes an unhealthy affirmation. So what does it mean to seek approval? When does it become an addiction? What do you think? When seeking the approval is going to be an addiction in your life or in my life? What do you think? Insecure without it. We're insecure without it. What else? Sorry. When one approval is enough, so I'm seeking more and more. Good. What else? Hmm. 
when it starts controlling, it becomes a form of addiction. Yes, what else? When your life starts to crumble without it? Yes, when your life starts to crumble without it. You know, the very simple, there are many definitions of addiction, I'm sure you know more than me. An addiction is something that you con that controls people, something they feel they cannot do without it. Or something they don't alleviate pain or pressure. It is what people run to when they are hurting or feeling lonely. So whatever the issue in my life, whatever the affirmation I'm looking for, I'm finding someone else to tell me you are right. So when we think of approval addiction, when we think that approval becomes an addiction in my life, it means there's something really wrong in my life. Here, what I would like to share with you. You always feel that you are not doing good enough, and I need a more affirmation to be, to, to be seen or to be told that you are now you are good enough. Here, what Neil Anderson mentioned in his book, Who Am I in Christ? He said, we cannot do anything to qualify for unconditional and voluntary love. We labor under the false assumption that if we live perfectly, everybody will accept us. Here there is a big lie. Why? While there was one who lived his life perfectly, and everyone rejected him, the Lord himself. On the cross, everyone was screaming from from the ground, crucify him, crucify him. Despite no one was able to say he sent in any way. Just this allegation before Herod and Pilate, but the reality he lived a real perfect life. So if you are thinking that by being more perfect, more people will approve you, it's a lie. Because the one perfect man was rejected because he lived a perfect life. So it's a lie from the beginning to believe that at one point I'm going to please everyone. Sometimes you are away from God because I felt I'm not good enough for Him. Or the church people are not good enough for me. I'm better than them all. Or the church leaders, whatever it is. There is an excuse always to put myself in a position I'm here or there because some people there will accept me. One of the problems I'm sure you have heard before, those who are in any way of addiction, why they try to make a support group from ex-addicts and addicts? They feel this is the environment in which I'm acceptable. Otherwise, I'm not. Some people are running away from the church because they, they are well-known sinners. They can't come, as if church is for sins only. Church is mainly for those who are declaring themselves as sinners, they are here to declare we are in need for the true physician. So if you believe that you can do something that will make you people approve you, it is a lie. Sincerely the great is telling us the same. If you are seeking the life of Christ, as we spoke in the morning and yesterday, if you are seeking a freedom of life, then you are not bothered too much with men. Why? We too shall be sons of God, not like him in exactitude. We are not going to be exactly like him, but by grace and imitation of him. So what is the result? He said, they have done it to me. 
to be done to you as well. People is not going to, are not going to approve what you are going to do. We are adopted by his kindness through grace, receiving, I have said, you are God's, and all of you are children of the Most High. He's quoting here Psalm 82, verse 6, which the Lord repeated again in John chapter 10, I think, verse 34 or 35. So now there is a new reality. If you are living in the same way by the Lord who lived a perfect life, it's only something we have adopted and we receive it through grace and people are going to reject us. We are not going to be acceptable by them because we are living a holy life. When Saint Athanasius was against Antigos Cosmos or against the world, he accepted the reality that I am following the Lord. I'm not here to please you anymore. So what do you think? If I feel or I believe in a way or another that I am in this condition now, I can't live without the approval of others. Sometimes it's in a small circle. I seek always approval of my wife or my husband or my children or my mom or my dad, and I feel I'm in captivity. If they are not happy with what I'm doing, I can't sleep. Despite what I have done, is is more than good, but not good enough for him or for her. What do you think? What are your certain ideas to get out of this addiction? What do you think? To realize that I have problems. To realize. To admit that I have a problem. What else? Sorry? Yes, I have to ask myself which approval I'm seeking. Is it approval of God or approval of man? Yes, Karim. Karim? Um, See? To discuss that, <laughs> the person who is involved, and you were saying that if your father or mother, you're doing things for them, uh, let them know that, and you rationalize with them and speak and out loud. That Very good. You are exhausted yes. from this. Uh, what else? To ask for help, So, what is it? What is the core problem of approval addiction? Why I'm seeking the approval of others? Yes, ma'am. Is it possibly a problem that you haven't got an approval, approval from yourself? Yes, very good. I don't have the approval even for myself. What else? Satisfied. Yes, and not enough self-confidence. There has to be another measure of success. If your only measure of your own success or happiness is other people's approval, you've got to find another measure. Hmm. That's how you treat addiction. You got to stop something by having yes. something else. Good. Yes, Marie. Um, I don't like feel or believe in God's love for me, truly. Um, yes, I don't believe God's love for me is personal and true. What else? Yes, people. I give a lot of to the uh, people around. Good. What else? You know, if now I'm seeking the approval of Shadi, for example, it's giving me this additional security that I'm accepted. It means Shadi is something big in my life. But it does mean also that God has no say in my life. 
you know, the first thing I need to enjoy my new identity in Christ. Maybe because we heard it many times in the church, it's not real anymore. But it is the only way that you'll be satisfied with what you are, or who you are, or whatever you are doing. I'm sure you have heard it many times from many people in different jobs. I'm not satisfied with my job. And many others are just groaning to reach this job. What is the problem? And the one who is not satisfied, or the one who is just trying to jump to reach such job. Both of them are seeking something to feel that they are good enough in what they are doing. But the reality, I don't enjoy my new identity in Christ, which is the only thing that can satisfy me now. You heard since you are too young, you are the child of God, you are the daughter of God, you are the son of God. But till now, I feel I am an orphan. I have no father. I have no spiritual father. I don't have a heavenly father. I'm living in this dilemma again. So one of the first steps is to know who I am in him. We have many talks in our website and we have one good day about who I am in Christ who just summarize through things today. Second thing, I need to deal with this problem. Why I'm controlled by X or Y or Z in my life. And why I'm leaving if I am responsible. And why I'm leaving my son, my daughter, my husband, my wife to be crying for such approval from others. And pushing him or her into the wrong direction. Because now he is seeking approval of someone else. One of the very famous relationships, especially at an young age, among teenagers, they call it pain relief relationship. What does it mean? No one, my parents never told me you are good in anything. Found a boy, if I'm a girl or vice versa, at school telling me you are an amazing boy or you are an amazing girl. I have a need. I have a pain and I'm groaning to be acceptable, to, to be seen as good in anything. This relationship can start and long for a few weeks or a few months. Because at one point, I will have a conflict with my boyfriend or girlfriend. And it will end up seeking someone else to me, you are an amazing boy. I'm seeking approval. And I'm pushing my son to it. I'm pushing my daughter to it. I'm pushing my brother or my sister or my wife, my husband, whatever it is. So sometimes we, as if we live in unhealthy family or in unhealthy community, we suffer all and we push each other to suffer from it. Spoke last Sunday in the church about the church is a therapeutic community. We are there to receive healing from each other or from the Lord through each other. It's not a matter of um, the best person, no. I'm coming with my sickness, I'm sure the Lord is going to heal me from my healthy relationships inside my small family and inside my big family in the church. Then we need to find a balance. I will talk more in humans of this balance. And finally, I have to enjoy the wholeness of my new life in Christ. What does it mean wholeness? We'll speak about it in a minute. Let me share with you one verse to see what St. Paul, or how St. Paul can seize this approval addiction. First 
Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you. All the Corinthians. It's a very small thing. If you are saying Paul is bad, Paul is good, it doesn't matter with him. Why? Because he has a message from the Lord, he conveyed it, and now it's up to you to accept it or not. Or by a human court, even if we are going to make a court to say St. Paul was right or wrong, it doesn't matter. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Why? Because I received the message, I'm conveying it honestly as the Lord delivered it to me. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. I'm not justifying myself. But he who judges me is the Lord. So he's telling me, if you are, as we spoke in the morning, if you are not yet honoring the Lord, feeling him, with the positive meaning of feeling him, then you will feel your shadow, as St. John Clemenco said. But now, I am feeling him, and he is the one who has the right to judge me. I'm not seeking the approval of anyone, whether in the whole city of Corinth, by a human court, and I'm not going to judge myself, but I'm relying on him who is able to judge rightly. And I'm always pleasing him, not, I'm not a people's pleaser anymore. So the first question you have to ask yourself, why I'm keen to please X or Y or Z? Because God is not in my mind. If I'm keen to please him only, I will find all other relationships are going to be corrected. But because I'm keen on others, everything is a messy. And by the way, you will never be able to please anyone whoever is. And if you satisfied him once, here or him once, next time you are not good enough at anymore. That's why St. Paul is telling us there's one person who is satisfied with everything you do and encouraging you to, to do more. But he is not telling you you are not good enough today. If you are coming with the feeling that you are not good enough, be sure it is not from God. The source is not God, it's the enemy. That's why St. Paul was saying to the Galatians, they were very upset from St. Paul. They were against him because he was attacking what they, were, they have done at the time. For do I now persuade men or God? It's a question for you and for this night. Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. People's pleasers are not bond servers of Christ. With the verse we shared in the morning, those who are Christ are not in this list anymore. Because I am not Christ. I am not a Christ pleaser and people's pleaser. And still, I'm thinking and hearing, it is not me. These words used to be said in a church, in a church meeting, in a youth conference, or whatever it is, but I'm out of it. As if I'm insisting to have this heart of stone. While the Lord is saying in Ezekiel chapter 20, 36, verse 26, I'm going to change, to take off your heart of stone, I'm going to give you another heart of flesh. It's not, it is not real for you till today, but still offered to you, whoever you are, and whatever you think of. That's why he is trying to tell us, this heart of stone will be a people's pleaser, and he will never satisfy anyone. The one perfect man 
was not pleasing everyone, and most, if not all of them, rejected him and cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And today I'm going to decide a new decision. I'm not going to please people anymore, I'm going to please my Lord and my Savior. Because I'm starting to relate to the Holy Trinity, to enjoy the love of God the Father, the grace of His Son, and the fellowship and the gift of the Holy Spirit. So back to first step, I need to see my new identity. You'll find hundreds, if not thousands of verses say, you are now something different. You were, but now you are, through the work of Christ. So in John 1.12, the very famous verse that we pray every day in our morning prayer, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. You are not again anymore a child of Mr. X or Mrs. Y. You are the child of God. What does it mean? If you remember for a second, when Moses was thrown in the river by his mother and his sister was observing what's going on, he was called the son of Jochabit. But when he was taken out of the water, he became the son of the daughter of, of Pharaoh, the son of the queen of Egypt, if you can say, one from the royal family. This is you and me. When you have been thrown in the water of baptism, you were the son of Mr. and Mrs. X. But when you were out of this water, you become the son and the daughter of the Most High. This is a reality. It's not something that we are trying to contemplate about it, but we believe. If you remember, I'm sure most of you have heard the prayer of the, of the baptism, baptismal liturgy in the church because we say it out loud after the the Sinexarium. How much more we are bestowing upon this child. He is a son of light, or she is a daughter of light, and in, uh, an heir with the whole congregation, heir of, of eternity, heir with Christ, co-heirs with Christ, and heirs to God. This is a reality, my new status in him. And if I feel I'm the child of God, I'm not going to please a man anymore. And then he said, I have, I'm raising my friend at school because I have no friends. I'm raising my friend at uni or whatever it is. The Lord is telling you, I, mean, I am your friend. Don't look outside anymore. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Again, he's trying to tell me, that my secrets are revealed to you. Even after the resurrection, he spent 40 days to tell them the mysteries of the kingdom of God. They are his friends. And he's seeking your friendship as well. So don't seek another friend from outside. You have him personally. He's going to reveal his mysteries to you if you want. But spend some time. If you have a friend, you want to spend some time with him. Maybe for years, we never spent time with him. I'm expecting a miracle to happen in my life. But what did you do? I'm expecting a miracle to happen to my family. What is your contribution to this miracle? Nothing. Yes, the Lord will make 
is going to make maybe 99% of it, but without your 1%, it will never happen. It's calling you and urging you, it's time to repent. It's time to rely on your real friend as a real child of God, not on anyone else. Not with your own imagination. Sometimes you are afraid to repent, afraid to get or to restore your childhood and your friendship with him, but he's still offering it to you. And he's telling you it might be your last chance. Might be the chance before the last, because you are getting every day closer to the eternity. Not out of fear, but out of love. He's telling you, wake up before it's too late. Since Israel was telling us this friendship is a great gift. The reward of a friendship with God, which was then seen in Abraham, first is immediately conjoined with the freedom which comes by faith. And now also it is seen in the holy disciples, the first fruits of a new generation. You are receiving a gift, a reward of friendship, and again it's coming with freedom. When Abraham was called, he knew that he's going to be a friend of God. He was not childed. In the Old Testament, there's no children of God. We receive this adoption through Christ in the New Testament. And then by faith, he didn't know where he is going, but he was sure, I am with my friend. And he's going to lead me step by step. And this is what happened in his life. All his life was led step by step with the Lord himself. So to restore my identity, to see myself again as a child and as a friend. <coughs> and then I think, but I am weak. I am alone. And this is another two lies. You are weak if you are alone. But you have never been alone. That's why you are not weak. When we say, or when we think of the Eucharist and say, I have been many years having the communion and nothing happened. Because you were rejecting the reality of what you are taking. He's telling me, now uh, we are one. I said, yes, but I am weak. Then you are denying this oneness. You are denying this unity. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians six seventeen, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And we believe in the Eucharist, we are one body also with him. To what sort of witness are you thinking of? What sort of lies do you accept if the devil is telling you, you are weak, you are going to fall again, so it's better for you to remain where you are and don't take it seriously anymore. I'm united with the Lord and one with Him in body and in the spirit. And this thing enables me to be a share and inheritance with all the things. This oneness and this unity. I'm not a member of a club. I'm a living member of the body of Christ, which means I'm active member within the body. I'm here to edify every member of the body, and every member here is going to edify my relationship with God and with all the members. When you see that the liturgy starts with the holy kiss, it's the reality of the oneness of the body, which is the strength of every single member of the body. But we see people coming to church totally isolated and go, went home totally isolated. And it, it makes me nothing. I don't feel any strength. I went to church, I chat with some people, and that's it. You are losing the power of the body. 
you are just a church goer and he's telling me you will remain a people's pleaser because you want people to accept you not the Lord to be pleased with you and you remain in the same status we are called to have a new identity we had it many times but it's time to grab it it's time to, sweep, to stretch out your hand and to receive this new identity Again, let me share with you the words of St. Sylvester. Our lives are all controlled by the Spirit now. Is your life only controlled by the Spirit now? Definitely yes or definitely not. And are not confined to this physical world that is subject to corruption. He's talking about who? Someone have received the childhood, the friendship, United with God. The light of the only begotten Son has shone on us, and we have been transformed into the world, the source of all life. It's telling me that transformation is beyond your comprehension. We believe, according to the teaching of Saint Cyril the Great and Saint Augustine, in the Eucharist, we are transformed to Him. We are not transforming the body and the body of Christ into something materialistic in our life. It's transforming us here, what he said, as we have been transformed into the world, the source of all life. And if he's telling us, because you are united with him, and you have this newness of life, you will become a source of life. Of course, by adoption through grace, not source in yourself, but because you are united, with this source of life, you are able to spread this life to everyone who is going to meet you. When we see the disciples that the shadow of St. Peter was healing the sick, what does it mean? He has the power of the source of life by grace through adoption. When the handkerchief of St. Paul was giving healing and casting out demons, what does it mean? The power of the word who transforms their life into sources of life is spreading everywhere. That's why St. Paul said, I'm not in need for your approval. Because I have the approval from him. I have the fullness of the assurance that he's accepting whatever. I may, I may lose all the Galatians because I was too harsh to them, rejecting their going back from the grace of God to the law of Moses once more. But I'm happy with it. I'm clear that I'm not going to please men anymore. As I spoke in few minutes, my membership in the body is very active. And there's no inactive member in the body. You are either an active member of the body or you are not in the body totally. Don't deceive yourself that I'm in between. I'm giving tithes. I'm giving money to the poor. I'm working in the hidden ministry of the church. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? No, then you are not an active member. The Lord is not in need of your money. The Lord is not in need of your service. He is in need. You are in need to give Him your, your heart and your life and to be an active member, to receive us as a life from the vine itself. You are, a, you are branches and every branch needs to be connected with the source of life. Now you are the body of Christ and the members individually. I was talking to someone two days ago, the word individual 
not existing in the New Testament at all. Because the Holy Spirit is talking about a person, someone you can relate to. That's why the meaning of the word meros, it means mostly in this regard. It's not individually, but every person in this regard is an active member of the body of Christ. You personally are called to be an active member of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter if your role is small or big. It will be like St. Paul or the smallest one in the church. But you are active because you are connected with the vine itself. Then I said, okay, one, me I said a few minutes ago, I'm not accepting, it might be one of the causes I'm not accepting myself. I'm sure if you noticed before, if you are aware of it, it's a command. It's not a matter of, I can choose to be accepted or not. The Lord was asked in Matthew chapter 22. Jesus said as an answer, you shall love the Lord your God and with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you are not loving yourself, you cannot love your neighbor. And consequently, you are not enjoying the love of God. It's a command. So it's easy to hear it sometimes in the confession, I hate myself. Or even in non-normal discussion, I hate myself. You are breaking his commandments by choice. But what he's telling us here, you need to love yourself to see that whatever you are doing, you are his son. His love, his friendship, his unity with us is unconditional. Yes, I'm not enjoying it because of my sin, fine, but still it's not going to change his I, my identity with him, or my relationship with him. We are called to be children to enjoy the wealth of our Heavenly Father. We are not called only to be called children, but we are called to enjoy the fullness of the wealth of our Heavenly Father. So the first thing, I have to know my identity in Christ, and I need to know that I have been commanded to love myself. So we said we need the second step after knowing who I am in Christ, I need to deal with my addiction. So if now I discovered, or I, it was discovered before for me that I am addicted to this approval, or people's pleaser. First thing, getting past your past, what does it mean? In a summary, St. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone in Christ is a new creation, all the past has gone. So are you able to stop it now and say all the past has gone? Whether it's sin, whether it's a proper addiction, one of the problems that I can't forgive myself or I cannot accept to love myself, I am not accepting to forgive myself for what I have done. Despite this has been done maybe years ago, but still, I'm in my own prison. You did it five years ago, ten years ago, you did so and so. And I reject to forgive myself, I reject to receive God's forgiveness, and I reject even to forgive those who did not sin with me. What does it mean? Which complicates against the people addiction. If now I have done something wrong with someone, whatever it is, I had an affair with someone, and then the problem comes, I can't forgive myself, 
I can't accept and forgive those, this person who had this affair with me. And what is make it worse, I can't accept to see my partner living a whole life. So I am not approving him, and also at the same time I would like to, uh, to give him more of approval that I am better than you. He doesn't know, she doesn't know anything about me. But I'm living in this prison, in this cell, and I'm not forgiving myself, not receiving forgiveness, I'm not offering forgiveness as well. The Lord is telling us, get getting past your path. If anyone in Christ, through repentance, which is the water of hope and the refusal of despair. You lived enough in your despair, and your life became more miserable. And maybe the life of people around you became more miserable. It's enough. It's time to get past your past. Start a new thing. But it's not for me because I am the worst person in the world. He came to the worst person in the world. In Luke chapter 5, verse 31, the Lord said, He did not come to the good people. He came not to call righteous, but sinners. If you feel really that you are a sinner, then He came for you. If you are still confused, with what you have done and giving yourself many excuses, then you are not a sinner anymore, and he is not yours. And you will remain in your miserable status as you are. So to deal with my addiction, I have to get getting past your past. Second thing, I think we discussed this in your first and second workshop, saying Christ. Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as he thinks of himself, so he is. If you think that you are not in need of Christ, you are like this. If you think that you worth nothing, like the story we shared in the beginning, the girl felt that the necklace of her mom is more precious, more valuable than her. Then you are like this. As he thinks of himself, so he is. Think right, put your wires in front of you, put your lies in front of you, and try to overcome it. And when you think right, you'll be able to talk right. You will not say, oh, I'm a miserable person. There's no hope. I'm hopeless. I'm failure. All this thing that puts you more in low self-esteem is not going to be your language anymore. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 7, the very famous verse that we know all, we have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. Second part, and by the word of their testimony. Their language became different because they started to think differently. This is no more fear for us. And I'm not going to be approved by anything. The perfect man was not approved. And all of them screamed, crucify him, crucify him. I will think right, I will talk right, and I will act right. Because if I have this new identity, St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good things. He has prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. And my action will be according to a divine plan. Yes, I messed up this divine plan. I lived a sinful life for days or weeks or sometimes many years. But it's a time of restoration. That's why to get the approval of myself, to be able to love myself, I will change the way I think, the way I talk, the way I act. And finally, seek the remedy of immortality while you are leading a life of repentance. 
Overcharge class is the Eucharist, is the Immortality. I am exchanging life. I am giving him my worries. I am giving him my addictions. And he said, I am going to set you free. But put all your trust in him and take a decision of doing something more worthy. He said, I'm going to think right, talk right, and act right. So if now your approval addiction is with your brother, your father, your mother, whoever he is, as someone said, I have to declare it to myself. I have this problem. I'm under the control of X or Y or Z. And then you have to walk to, to talk to him. Someone else said, have to talk to him and even ask him. Let us re reason what you are doing. Is it right or wrong? But again, don't lie. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie and don't exaggerate. Because sometimes we lose the balance. Let me finish with this point. St. Paul said, I'm not caring about anyone in Corinth. I'm not caring about even a human court. I'm caring only about the Lord. But what, where is the balance? Because sometimes we need the advice of others. We need spiritual guidance. We need to read books to learn. We need to ask people who are started the journey before us. So where is the balance? He's telling us, it's very important not to put too much weight to others. But others is in general. I have to make myself accountable to my spiritual father, accountable to my spiritual guide. I have to put myself in a healthy therapeutic community that we can relate to each other. St. Paul says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, don't leave your assembly as a manner of many. So what does it mean when we assemble or we gather? We have to make something different. Yes, but exhorting one another, admonishing, teaching, instructing one another, for the day is approaching. What does it again mean that the day is approaching? If we meet tomorrow in the liturgy, and you still have another 50 years in your life, tomorrow it will be 50 years, this one day. It means we have more of admonishing and instructing everyone and each other because the day is approaching more and more. It's telling us if you are focusing in your new identity, you are keen to meet your heavenly groom in the best way. So if every bride is preparing herself for this day, and we find that the reality of what we are receiving from the Lord becomes in action in my life and in your life. So we said, I have to find out the reality of my life my new identity, to find the balance, and to find a way to get rid of my addiction. And in the end, I will live a wholeness of life. For he made himself who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is your new wholeness in Christ. You are the righteousness of God. Do you believe that? If you have the journey from the beginning, Nothing will do you from this day. You are the righteousness of God. Christ made you personally the righteousness of God. What he received, what he got on the cross, what he got through his resurrection, becomes yours and mine. His life is mine, as the book by Father Safroni. This, his life becomes mine when I'm accepting all his acts, when I'm submitting myself to his new, to my new identity. St. Paul 
telling us now the wholeness of the life you are conforming to the image of the Son. He said, for whom he foreknew, you also be destined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that he might be the firstborn among the new. He did it. Our risen Lord, we are participant of Christ's resurrection, as we said in the morning, and his new divine life by grace through adoption. And why? To become, to be conformed to the image of his son. This is the wholeness of life. This misery, this depression, which everyone can smell it, this death which is coming from your words, from the way you think, from the way you act, is not going to be there anymore. It's time to smell the fragrance of Christ, as St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 to 16. In the end, let me finish with this word of St. Cyril. After Christ has completed his mission on earth, it still remains necessary for us to become sharers in the divine nature of the world. This is again the ultimate goal of our life is to become sharers of the divine nature of Christ. We had to give up our own life because it worth nothing without him. And then, and be so transformed that we would begin to live an entirely new kind of life. No addiction anymore. Whatever your addiction, whatever the approval you are seeking is not there anymore. I'm a participant of the life of Christ, of the Christ resurrection, as St. John Chrysostom uh, said in the morning. When we think of the wholeness of our calling, I'm not going to seek any approval of anyone. I'll be easily giving the approval for everyone, acceptance for everyone, but I'm not seeking it because he accepted me. And he is willingly giving me this new life. Again, what he said, to begin to live an entirely new kind of life. He's saying, you and me, please don't go home from this weekend with your miserable life anymore. You have tortured yourself enough, and maybe you have tortured your family enough. It's time to enjoy, to begin to live an entirely new life, or new kind of life, that will be blazing to God, not to anyone. Something we could do only by sharing in the Holy Spirit. And we hear it every liturgy, every meeting in the church, the fellowship, the partnership with the, of the Holy Spirit be with you all before you go home. It's a reminder from the church. You are not going home alone. You have a partner, and this partner is God, the Holy Spirit himself. May the glory of Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now and forever.